Woke up quick at about noon. Happy hump day to you. Welcome into the Wednesday, June 24th edition of the podcast with Damian Balling presented, as always, dating back to the beginning from Vibe Health Bar, where you can get your superfood smoothies, acai bowls, organic cold-pressed juices, and one of three very convenient locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. So happy that you are here, uh, as always. So happy that you've downloaded, subscribed. Uh, hopefully, you have rated and reviewed the show as well, particularly if you're there on Apple Podcasts. If you could hit the five-star review, of course. Only if you think we're worth it. It only takes a split second. You can actually do it while you're listening to the podcast right now. Just go to the home of the podcast where all the episodes are. See those five stars right there? Boom. Hit the fifth one. If you got an extra 45 to 60 seconds and you want to leave us a review, that would be fantastic as well. It's going to be a hell of a day in the National Basketball Association. I'll explain why. It's going to be a hell of a day for Major League Baseball as baseball is officially back. It can't get screwed up this time. Everything has been signed. Baseball is coming back. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll have our follow-up on the Bubba Wallace story as well. I do want to remind uh, some of you, as I had mentioned this a lot in, in recent weeks, and I, and I don't want you to think that this still isn't happening. I don't want you to uh, think that this still isn't something that we're pursuing. I had mentioned just kind of casually on a couple of episodes, if you ever had any aspirations of being in sports media, if you've ever had any aspirations of hosting a podcast, maybe you do host a podcast or you have hosted a podcast and it just hasn't it just hasn't really caught on yet, or you don't really know what to do. You haven't gotten any guidance how to help your show take off a little bit. Uh, hit me up. Shoot me your podcast. Shoot me your uh, sample of a podcast. Shoot me some ideas that you have for a podcast. If you have uh, aspirations of being in sports media, uh, uh, send them my way uh, because we're building something and we want you to be a part of it. And I know that's super vague uh, and not very clear, uh, but I promise it'll be clear. In the upcoming weeks, uh, you can send it directly to my email, DamienBarling at me.com. That's D-A-M-I-E-N-B-A-R-L-I-N-G. It's just look at the title of the show. Tack on at me.com at the end. And boom, that's my email address, DamienBarling at me.com. I'm telling you, I've, I've, I've been saying this for weeks. We've got to change. We've got to change the, the, the landscape of media, particularly here in our city. And if the major media networks won't do it, uh, we'll do it ourselves. And that's exactly uh, what we're going to do. So again, if you've ever thought about hosting a podcast, if you've ever thought about being in sports media, it doesn't even have to be sports. It could be politics. Uh, it could be pop culture. It could be fashion. It could be comic books. It could be anything. Damian at me.com. Uh, shoot me your podcast that maybe you've already done. Shoot me a podcast sample. Get a podcast sample done or just shoot me your idea. Uh, and we'll go over it together. We'll see if we can build something out. And we'll see if we can make you a part of this network. Uh, that we are building here. Uh, all right, let's get into the sports stuff here. Of course, you can connect with the show, by the way, 916-888-5898. That's the text line. I think most of you got all that. Just gave you my email address, and uh, my Twitter and Instagram handles are very creatively just my name, at Damian Barling. You can connect with me there. Uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a day for the National Basketball Association as hundreds, as thousands of uh, maybe not thousands, that's a stretch, but hundreds, no hyperbole needed here, hundreds of coronavirus tests were done yesterday on players, uh, coaches, and returning personnel, and they're going to have the results of them here today. Uh, the big story yesterday was Denver Nuggets, uh, all-NBA center, Nikola Jokic. He tested positive for coronavirus in Serbia and his return to the United States uh, to rejoin the Nuggets, is it's got to be held off now. 
And so now, now if I understand the timeline correctly, and we'll get to what's going on with Jokic uh, uh, here in a minute, and it, and it involves uh, Djokovic, who we were talking about yesterday, um, Nikola Jokic, he has to stay in Serbia until he passes two coronavirus tests within a short period of time. Then he can get on the plane. He can fly to Denver. Then he has to isolate himself again. He has to isolate himself a second time. And then he has to pass two more tests before he can uh, join up with the Denver Nuggets. So Jokic, is, he's a ways away from, from being with Denver. I mean, he's probably, you know, given where we're at, he's probably over a week away. At the, at the, at the very least, he's over a, a, a week away. Uh, he did test positive last week, so it's not like he didn't test positive yesterday. He tested positive uh, last week. Uh, he said it was asymptomatic. Of course, he was hanging out with Novak Djokovic, the number one tennis player in the world. He tested positive for coronavirus. These two were hugging and partying it out, and I saw the photo yesterday after our show ended and was like, uh-oh, this is a problem. Jokic has gotten a lot of attention from NBA Twitter over the course of the last few weeks because he has lost a whole ton of body weight. 40 pounds, to be exact, just during the league's hiatus. He's lost 40 pounds. Jokic was already at uh, 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 6.9 assists. You know, one of the... I remember remember a Denver-Sacramento game early-ish in the season... And I remember thinking, man, Rashawn Holmes is giving Novak jo- is giving uh, uh, Nikola Jokic fits, just absolute fits. I mean, this. I mean, we really gotta applaud Rashawn Holmes. And I don't mean it like Rashawn Holmes absolutely deserves applause. But then I saw the next. <laughs> then I saw the next Denver Nuggets game. I was like, wait a minute. Jokic is getting run again. And then I realized Jokic was just in a perpetual state of fatigue. So I never felt like Jokic got going this season, which is insane given the fact 20, 10, and 6.9. Those were his numbers, and it never felt like he really, because remember, there were people talking about Jokic being the MVP before the season started. And I don't, I mean, there were a lot of NBA people that were talking about Nikola Jokic being the the MVP headed into the season. So the expectations the expectations for for Jokic were set really really high. It's hard to look at 2010 and and almost 7 as like, oh man, Jokic wasn't he wasn't getting it done. But when you watch Denver play, it it was hard to not notice Jokic was, you know, slow. It was hard to Notice he wasn't getting, you know, loose balls. It, it was it was hard to notice that he just didn't look constantly sluggish. Again, it's qu- <laughs> it's quite the point to recognize that a player who was noticeably sluggish still averaged uh, the numbers that he did this year. And everybody talks, you know, we fascinate so much on body weight because we are a country obsessed with, you know, image and size and you know, the aesthetic look and all of this. And it's like, hey, okay, Jokic lost 40 pounds. That would lead you to believe he is more cardiovascularly fit. That means you to, that leads you to believe that he should be able to go deeper into a game. But what does 
a 40-pound lighter Jokic actually mean for the Denver Nuggets? Because let's not forget, Kevin Love used to look a whole lot different. Kevin Love was a Kevin Love was not always the stunningly handsome Banana Republic model. He was the big chubby dude at UCLA. He was the uh, the double double in Minnesota. He was the twenty and twenty in Minnesota. But he was significantly larger, and then he started to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and it changed the way that he played. He he didn't he couldn't play the same way as a smaller version of Kevin Love. The Minnesota Kevin Love couldn't play the same way that the, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers Kevin Love did. I know that Kevin Love had a few a year or so there in Minnesota where he was smaller, but still, you get, what, you get, you get the point. The UCLA Kevin Love couldn't play the same. Two very different players at two very different sizes. So I know it's all, look at all. We, we do this every offseason. It's normally reserved for the actual, my favorite offseason story. Every year, it's gonna, it, it, it hasn't happened yet here that I'm aware of. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. It hasn't happened here yet in the, in the COVID break. Uh, and I don't know if there will be enough time to really manufacture this story, you know, come however long this upcoming offseason is. But under normal circumstances, every offseason produces a handful of these stories that say, whoa. Dot, 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 has put on 10 pounds of muscle. Look at him. It, every year. Every freaking year this happens. Some random professional basketball player puts on 10 pounds of muscle in the offseason. I want to also express to you as someone who has studied fitness, studied the body, studied um, uh, body fat comps and all of that, the difficulty of actually putting on 10 pounds of muscle, particularly when you're in your... Now, if you told me 19-year-old Joel Embiid did it, believe you. If you told me 19-year-old Ben Simmons did it, believe you. Told any 19, 20-year-old, 18-year-old, anyone between the ages of 18 and 21, I, I believe you. Particularly if you're in your first or second full off season in the league. Like, ah, I can see it. But you, do you realize how difficult it is to put on 10 pounds of muscle? Not 10 pounds, but 10 pounds of muscle, essentially saying this individual player has had their body comp read. And their body comp was 8% body fat. And an off season later, just as the season was about to start, they were 10 pounds heavier, but still had an 8% body fat. That is extremely difficult. And in a lot of cases, you can, and, and, and this is where you, you wonder, like, agents and everybody manipulating stuff so it sounds better than, it's actually significantly easier to transform, you know, fat into muscle, meaning if you, if, if you were a certain weight and you were, but you were like a sloppy weight, like let's say you were a, a 12% body fat, right? And, and, and I'm talking about professional athletes. So that's probably, you know, we're talking, that's a, that's a, a smidge bit. It's not high. It's not even remotely unhealthy. There are people who would, who would just love to have a 12% body comp. But for a professional athlete, particularly a basketball player who's got to 
basically running the set of intervals up and down the court, you probably want to be more in the single digits, probably in the in the in 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 the seven to eight percent. Oh, maybe probably seven to nine percent. If you were in the twelve percent, you could stay at the exact same weight, right? But lose that body fat and turn that body fat into muscle to where you're not actually gaining weight, but you are gaining muscle. Those things are significantly more likely than the look how much bigger he is. Remember the Mike Bibby? Older fans will remember Mike Bibby. There was one year where they said, and I I can tell you firsthand that this was just all complete nonsense. Because I spent all but the final four weeks, four to six weeks, I spent all but the final four to six weeks training with Mike Bibby at, uh, I don't even know what the, it, it used to be Gold's Gym in Natomas. I have no idea what it is now. But we worked out with Albi Akani every single morning at 7 o'clock. Every single morning in the offseason, we worked out together. He did not gain, he gained so much muscle over the offseason. Look how big he is. And then he started the next season, he was in like a shooting slump. And then people blamed it on the amount of muscle that he gained. He did not gain a single pound of muscle that offseason. None. He worked his ass off. He was shredded. He looked bigger. But he did not gain. He, did, he, he didn't gain 10 pounds of muscle. He may have looked like he, because he had reduced his body fat. He was taking his diet. I remember that offseason very, very vividly because he was taking his diet seriously for the first time. Like him and I used to, we used to plan our cheat days. On the same day, like he would have, he used to, he used to go harder than I did. He would have a cheat meal because our, our rule used to be the way we implemented our rule is cheat day was, it was from the time you woke up to the time you went to bed. That was the cheat day. And we would work out at seven. Mike would start his cheat day when he woke up. Like he would, he would like get like a Burger King breakfast sandwich or something. And, and eat that before, before the workout and use that as his fuel. He'd load up with a big pre-workout breakfast. And then, you know, as soon as we were done working out, you know, he'd be over at, at whatever his, you know, favorite stop was for, but he, that's, he was taking his diet very, very seriously at that time. Now you can look at Mike Bibby and say, Hey, that guy's probably put on a couple pounds of muscle and you would be accurate. But back in the day, it was, it, this was the 2000, Six started the 2006 season, started the 2007 season. I can't remember which one. 2007, I think. Oh, so dumb. So stupid. Oh, look at him. All of this muscle that he gained. Get out of here, man. It was the 2006, 2007 season. I remember it was after I had finished up at KSFM the first time. And they just they blamed it all like Mike Mike can't shoot anymore. His arms are too big. <laughs> I swear to you, people used to say that. Mike is too muscular. He can't shoot anymore. Oh man. But the point in all of that is we see that story every offseason. And now this is kind of the this is the other side of the story. Well, look how much weight he's lost. Okay, what type of player is he gonna be? What type of player is Nikola Jokic going to be 40 freaking pounds lighter? Is he still going to be able to hang in the paint? Because that's kind of what he does, right? 
He obviously does a lot of things well, given the 20 and 10 and 7 stat line, 7-ish. Can he still bang? Can he still work against the big guys? If I thought Rashawn Holmes was working him before, can Rashawn Holmes work him now? Not because Jokic is out of shape, not because he can't get up and down the floor, just because he's smaller. Well, we'll see. But it's going to be a while before we find out because he's going to be, you know, he's he's got to isolate himself in Serbia there for a little while. Pass a couple of COVID tests, and then uh, he'll hop on a plane. He'll head to Denver, isolate himself for a couple of more days, and then he'll have to pass a couple of more tests. I've learned that players and team personnel are getting tested every other day. And uh, at least right now, I don't, I don't know if this is going through the in, entire time that they are uh, in their home market, but they are uh, getting tested every other day. And you, the NBA is taking this, I mean, the, the, it, it, as extreme as it feels like the NBA is taking this, it's actually 10 times more extreme than you realize. There's a person who monitors on-court activities. And that person associated with the franchise will will tell a, a, a player or a coach, hey, you can't be that close to them. Particularly, you know, they'll tell, you know, they'll tell a coach who was working out with a player, if they're doing a specific workout with a player, they'll tell the coach, like, hey, you can't be that close to them. You have to do the workout differently. You have to be further away. And that's because a lot of people are still coming in and a lot of people are still getting tested. There are things called unauthorized contact. You are not allowed to, to, to bro hug people. You are not allowed to regular hug people. You can't do any of that stuff right now. Because they are testing you every other day to make sure that this virus does not get on a plane and travel to Orlando. Don't be the franchise that brings the COVID-19 virus into the NBA's metaphorical bubble. Uh, Avery Bradley has opted out of playing. I, I thought the list would be longer. We knew Avery Bradley wasn't going to go, right? Now, now to be, to be fair for Avery Bradley, there are reasons outside. It, it felt like he was leaning towards not going because of the social justice initiatives, and I'm confident that he is going to continue those initiatives, uh, despite the fact the reason he gave uh, for not going has more to do with being with his kids and his family, particularly his six-year-old son, Liam, who has a history of um, respiratory illness, and he has a history of struggling to recover from respiratory illness. And he wouldn't have been medically cleared to go to Orlando with his family. So... Avery Bradley had the decision to make, well, we can't like leave my six-year-old son with, you know, his grip. Like we can't leave him while the rest of the kids and the wife head over to, to Orlando, you know, because he's on the Lakers. The Lakers were expected to play till October, or he had to make the decision that when he leaves for, you know, Orlando on July 7th, he's not going to see his wife and kids again, any of them until October. I also wonder if if there's a situation or situations where teams get to Orlando. And remember, July 7th is the arrival date. 
for the metaphorical bubble in Orlando, right? The season doesn't start until July 30th. So you've got a number of weeks there. What if Phoenix, Sacramento, Washington, Portland, New Orleans, right? What if those teams on the outside looking in where they need a lot of things to go right for them, for them to be able to get into that, 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 that play in situation against the eight seed or, or, you know, somehow the eight seed falls apart and, and, and they get the eight seed all to themselves. Like they need, they need a lot to go right in a span of eight games. Let's just say everything starts out wrong. It's, well, let's just use Sacramento. For example, things start out ill, right? And, and, and immediately they're three and a half games back two games into this. They're two games into the restart. They're, they're five and a half games back and they know that they're pretty much out of this thing. Does somebody go, does Buddy Heald go, dude, this is dumb. We got to be here for, I'm going home, man. I've been here for a month. We're not making the playoffs. We got to be here for another two and a half weeks. I'm leaving. I'm going home. I'm going to see my family. Or does any player, like any player in that situation, what if you are, what if you are a team that's going to make the playoffs? What if you are a Memphis? What if you are a uh, Orlando? And you're, okay. Oh, we're we're gonna make the playoffs. Oh man, that means we're gonna be here. Ugh. Dude, I don't want to do this. I'm out. Point I'm trying to make in this ridiculously long, drawn out way is: Do you think any players leave after they get to the bubble? Because there's no, there are no consequences for leaving. There's no, you can't go back. It's not like you 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 can't leave on you know August second. And then come back if your team makes the, you know, makes the NBA finals in October. Like once you leave, you're out. You can't, you can't get re-entered. Like you're gone. I wonder if there are any players who get there, maybe see the environment, see the atmosphere. Uh, maybe they're uneasy with it. Maybe they miss their wife. Maybe they miss their kids. Maybe they miss their girl. Maybe they just miss their family or whatever. And they're, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. I changed my mind. I'm gone. I'm headed out. I mean, these guys are really, I, I know we, we attach money to everything and we look at it like, oh, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. Yeah, of course I'd leave my family for three months for millions of dollars. I understand that. I, I understand that because we, most of us, can't comprehend having that, you know, dollar figure in our bank account, right? We can't even comprehend the idea of willingly walking away from you know, one to $2 million to be away from our family for two and a half months. But you got to remember a lot of these guys, not all of them, not, 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 not all of them, but a lot of them, they've, they've, they've made money. You know, they've made, you know, double digits worth of millions of dollars, tens, 11s, 12s, 13s. Obviously there are players, you know, a part of the bubble who have made hundreds of millions of dollars. So they don't have to look at this. From a final financial aspect, they operate in a different tax bracket than you and I do. And even in the, you know, we use this line in the NBA, you know, we look at the NBA players, we use this line the other week, I should say, about the NBA. We look at, you know, the NBA, the players, they're, you know, they're in the 1%. You know, they're in that, the 1% of the financial, you know, makeup of this country. It's like, yeah. 
that's that's true. But also within the NBA, there's a one percent there. Also, maybe you know, maybe a little bit more than one percent. There's the highest of the high earners, and a lot of them are a part of this restart. But even the ones that aren't have made some of them, not all of them, some of them have made a decent amount of money in their career, and they can walk away from one or two million dollars with the exchange being, you know, Avery Bradley. He's got three kids, man. He's got three kids and a wife, and he's telling them, okay, you know, we, we're, we're already kind of isolated here while I've gone back to get, you know, my work in here at the Lakers practice facility. And, you know, now from July 7th, and we're supposed to be playing until October, I think, 12th. I think that's the last day of the NBA Finals. That is a long time. And, you know, Liam, our six-year-old, he can't, he can't come to Orlando without a significant risk of getting hurt. The NBA probably won't even clear him to go to Orlando because of his issues with respiratory illness. Like, think about that for a second. Imagine that you have money in the bank. Imagine that you have millions of millions of millions of dollars in the bank. Would you willingly leave your family and kids for July, August, September, you know, three to four months? That's a tall ask, especially for a guy like, like Bradley's not a rookie, man. Like he'd been doing this for a long time. He's an important part of what the Lakers did this year, by the way. He started all 44 games. I don't think this is a, I don't think this is something that the Lakers can't overcome, but he is an important part of what they've done. He's a hell of a ball player. He's a hell of a piece uh, for, for, for the Lakers. He's a, he's a particularly important defensive piece uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, his absence has sparked rumors that maybe we'll finally get that J.R. Smith signing. Maybe J.R. Smith uh, can make up on the offensive end uh, for what the Lakers will now be lacking with Avery Bradley. Again, this isn't a you know insurmountable loss uh, that the Lakers aren't going to you know be able to overcome, but it is a loss and it is an important loss. Avery Bradley was a big signing for them. Re- rephrase that, please. Avery Bradley was an important signing. For them and the window to sign him you know to sign players is still there it's unclear what demarcus cousins was going to do i saw adrian wojanowski tweet that uh, demarcus cousins is, is not going to sign with an nba team he's not going to rejoin this startup here he's going to focus on the 2021 season okay and then it was like it, it was like a couple of minutes later oh despite reports that demarcus cousins is is gonna uh sit out the the restart he is still weighing offers from a number of different teams and I think that came directly from his agent, which leads me to believe maybe Woj tweeted something before his agent could get a hold of the teams that they were talking to. Maybe Woj jumped the gun here a little bit on 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 a story that he was given by an agent. Because a lot of times these reporters, and I can speak from firsthand experience on this as I witnessed it uh, last summer, is a, an insider like Woj is given a story, but they're told, hey, don't tweet anything about it until Wednesday because we've got to call this person, we've got to call this person, and we've got to call this person, and our meetings aren't scheduled until Wednesday. So don't tweet it yet, but you can tweet it at about, you know, 1230 on Wednesday. And that's that's a lot of times how this stuff has worked. Looking at, you know, the the source of the second report that came out saying that it was from a, a, a DeMarcus's agent, 
I'm led to believe that maybe DeMarcus's agent was talking to a number of different teams. Maybe they didn't necessarily appeal to DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, maybe they weren't financially what DeMarcus Cousins wanted. Uh, maybe they just maybe maybe DeMarcus just doesn't want to play in the restart. He doesn't want to play until until next season. And his agent hadn't had the opportunity to inform those teams that he was talking to, which is just a professional courtesy that DeMarcus doesn't doesn't want to join them and doesn't want to play. And Woj jumped the gun on the tweet a little bit. I would be curious as to who was talking to DeMarcus Cousins because it certainly sounds like it, at least one or two teams were. Be curious who. And today was the deadline. Yesterday was the deadline to inform teams. No, it's today to inform teams that uh, you're not going to be a part of the restart. Is you know Avery Bradley uh, has informed his team, has informed the Los Angeles Lakers that he's not going to be a part of the restart. I'm anxious to see if there are any other names. Um, and more specifically, in, in terms of the NBA, the story that we should be watching today is the number of COVID-19 tests that come in. That's the one you want to keep an eye on. What does this look like? How many is it? Because I, I really do believe it's going to be a lot. I really do think it might be like in the area of a hundred, maybe more, but it's those remember with the season, not scheduled with them, not even scheduled to leave until the seventh. None of this is insurmountable. In fact, this might be a good exercise as to how leagues can handle large numbers of COVID-19 positive because the NBA or excuse me, the NFL is likely to go through this as you know, witnessed recently. I don't believe that the college football season should happen. I don't believe that any sort of college athletics should happen. I hate it. It sucks for those kids who are in school, who went to school, you know, to, to, to be athletes. Uh, I, it, I just don't think it should happen. It's one thing to be at risk when you're a, a highly paid or at least paid at all professional athlete. It's another thing to be at risk when you're not. It's another thing to be at risk when you're being forced to sign waivers that say uh, my university is not held responsible uh, should I get sick, drop dead, and die, or should I infect my entire family uh, with this disease. They are not financially responsible for taking care of me despite the fact that I'm here because of them. So I don't think any college athlete should ever sign any sort of Buckeye pledge or Roll Tide Promise, or Crimson Tide Mandate, or any other stupid line that you want to create for what these contracts are that you're forcing these kids to sign. And who makes a kid sign a freaking contract anyways? Kids aren't, you, you can't do that. But that's just the nature of college athletics. That's what it is. Here's a, okay, I'll give you the story and then give you my confession. It still pertains to the NBA. We're going to get to baseball here in just a heartbeat. Uh, Andre Drummond says he's going to pick up his player option that'll keep him in Cleveland another year. Of course he is, because the option is worth $28.7 million. And he acknowledged, yeah, it's going to be hard to give that up, so you can count me in on being in Cleveland next year. I will definitely be in Cleveland, says Andre Drummond. I completely forgot that Andre Drummond was in Cleveland. I was so confused when I saw this headline 
that says Drummond will opt in to stay with Cleveland. I was like, is this the Browns? What, who's, what are we talking about? I completely forgot that Andre Drummond was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's it. That's the whole story. I know that's dumb. I just wanted to confess that I, I just was hoping maybe somebody else out there forgot that Andre Drummond was also a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the newest episode of Relive is available for you right now on this very same podcast platform that you are listening to this show on. It focuses on the journey to WrestleMania 30 for Daniel Bryan. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, past or present, please go check that out. If you have fans, uh, friends that are wrestling fans, past or present, please refer them to that podcast. If you haven't listened to an episode yet and you are a wrestling fan, particularly an old school wrestling fan, I really think you'll dig it. It's not a monologue podcast like this one. It isn't a, a, a news block. This show is heavily scripted, heavily produced. It is a documentary style podcast. Creatively, I'm very, very proud of it. I think, uh, I think many of these episodes have come out absolutely uh, fantastic. I look forward to producing these episodes as much work as they are. But once they're done, it is the, you know, the, just the satisfying feeling of creating what you think is a really, really great project. And I think some of these episodes are fantastic. So I hope you'll give it a listen. Uh, Relive with Damon Barling, again, available on the same podcast platform that you are listening to this show on. And by the way, if you want to support the podcast, whether the Relive podcast or this daily podcast, go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling, a number of different ways with a number of different incentives that you could support the podcast. So go check us out over there at patreon.com slash Damien Barling. The Major League Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball agreed to health and safety protocols put in place. Thus... The 2020 regular season is set to begin either July 23rd or 24th. The schedule is being worked out as we speak, and uh, training camps will begin on July 1st. I didn't think we were going to get to this point. Uh, it sure felt like after three months of negotiations that it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, but here we are. We are gearing up for the shortest season in 143 years. The 2020 season will be just 60 games. If every team plays its full schedule, that would be tied with the 1877 season for the shortest in Major League Baseball history that year. And I think we pointed this out earlier in the week. Six National League teams averaged 60 games each playing uh, between 58 and 61. So I guess I should look into why they all didn't play the same amount of games. Uh, the season is expected, as we just noted, to start around July 24th. Uh, it'll be the latest by far for a Major League Baseball season to ever start. The previous, for context purposes, the previous latest that a Major League Baseball season has started was May 1st. And that was in 1883. Uh, we've gone 236 days and counting uh, without Major League Baseball games since the World Series ended on October 30th. And according to Elias Sports Bureau, that's the second longest streak in Major League Baseball history behind a 256-day stretch during the 1994 95 strike. Assuming the season starts, by the way, on July 24th, 
it will be 267 days between games, thus eclipsing uh, the gap uh, in the strike-shortened season. Uh, I don't... I, I, okay, what are we doing here? What do we got? I mean, 60 games? Like, what is an impressive record here? Like, 40 wins? I feel like baseball teams take a while. I mean, and I can't blame them. The season is is 4,000 games long. But I feel like baseball teams take a while to get into the groove. Not all of them. Not I mean... You know, there are teams that have been consistently good. Like, look at look at the Nationals last year. The Nationals were not consistently good. But they got good. They got really good. Uh, I mean, are we still... Are we still talking about... Like, are the Astros? Are they the Twins, maybe? Like, what are we looking at here? Rangers? Dodgers? Oh, okay. I know people like to poke fun at the Dodgers, so let's poke fun at the Dodgers. If the Dodgers win the World Series, does it count? If the Yankees win their 40th World Series or whatever it is, does it count? Because we keep talking about asterisks next to the NBA season. Well, what about one next to baseball? Here's a better question. Maybe this is the most important question we could possibly ask. Is the baseball season going to finish? Are we going to get through a regular season? Because there's no bubble here. There's no, there's no bubble metaphorical or otherwise. There is no sort of bubble at all as it pertains to Major League Baseball. So do you think the season finishes? Do you think we get through all 60 games? Do you think we get through a postseason? And do you think we get through a World Series? 916-888-5898. This is just the tip of the iceberg as it pertains to relations between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association. They have an act. See this. Remember, this was not a labor dispute. This was a global pandemic. But there is a labor dispute coming, and it is just about a year away. So if you couldn't get enough, of Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association being at each other's throats. Can't wait to see what the actual labor dispute brings us. Uh, Players will get their full prorated salary, which is about 37% of their full season salaries uh, and around $1.5 billion total. Uh, The postseason will remain at 10 games. There There was a lot of talk about expanding the postseason this year and next year. Uh, players will not receive forgiveness on the $170 million salary advance they received as part of the March agreement uh, and will get no money from the postseason. So it kind of balances out in that sense. Uh, players will also not agree to wear uh, on-field microphones, which is smart, I believe. And teams will not wear uh, advertising patches on their uniforms, which I must have missed that story over the course of the last three months because I, I didn't even know that that was on the bargaining table. So... Uh, apologies uh, for missing that. But baseball is on its way back. Uh, players are due back in camp or to camp. I don't, I don't know if it's back or due for the first time. I mean, we had a spring training, but it's not spring anymore. So uh, in a week, July 1st, 
as we transition from Major League Baseball to the NFL. And I mean, what it, before before we transition? Sorry, like, what does the next week look like for Major League Baseball? Like, they've got to get tested. Didn't we just have eight Phillies test positive for the coronavirus? We just had training camps in multiple states shut down. What is it going to look like when they actually do return? They've got three weeks. Really, they've got three weeks to figure out, okay, how many of us have COVID-19 tests, uh, you know, positive tests, and how are we going to navigate through games and this season in these markets? We're going to learn a lot here. I think we're going to learn a lot about this virus uh, in the next week. And I think, uh, again, I know I'm a broken record. I think it's going to start today with the NBA. Uh, the NFL is facing, as we are all aware of, significant financial losses from games played without fans. So the NFL uh, will, they'll be taking, they're going to be taking a state-by-state, county-by-county approach. This is according to a unnamed source who was talking to the athletic to finish the quote. It is not, it will not be a one size fits all. Okay. So what that means is some States uh, fans will be present for games, not 70, 60, 80,000 fans, but whatever 25% of that is maybe. I mean, originally they were talking about as high as 50%. There's no way they could consider 50% of, of a, filling up 50% of a stadium. They can't. Not, not, the, not the way that things are going in Florida and Arizona. And, you know, they're saying, oh, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Okay, well, not all states are operating the same. So California California is in a bad place. Sacramento is in a bad place right now as it pertains to COVID-19. So we're just going to you know, throw people into Levi Stadium and say, hey, what do we got at Levi? Maybe 60,000? We're going to do send 10 to 20 people, 20,000 people in there? Like, hey, go watch football. Because the NFL doesn't want to lose this money. And again, I, I feel the need to point this out. There is a difference between losing money and not earning as much money. The NFL is losing money that they never had, right? They're losing money that is not on their books. They are not operating in the red. They're not in danger of going under. There is no danger of dumping teams because of what's going on in the NFL and fans not being able to attend. What is happening is they are not making as much money as they normally would during a normal time of the season. There is a very, very big difference between the two. And this is how greedy Jerry Jones, who, by the way, still only says shit about Black Lives Matter. By the way, how many Cowboy players have said anything about Black Lives Matter? I know Black Lives Matter isn't trending. It's not the hot topic anymore. So I get maybe they, maybe they don't matter anymore because people aren't talking about it and Amazon isn't tweeting about it. And Ben and Jerry, by the way, they're still woke as hell. I was turned on to their Instagram account yesterday or two days ago for the first time. I had no idea. I knew Ben and Jerry was woke. I didn't know they was... Are Ben and Jerry black and we just don't know it? Did they just put a couple of white guys on as the faces of, of, of the company? Because they are all about social justice right now when it seems like, oh, that was the hot story a week ago. 
Social justice don't really matter today. I've seen Dak Prescott talk. I've seen Gerald McCoy talk. Anybody else in a cowboy uniform? I saw some article about Demarcus Lawrence and, and Stephen A. Smith, and any time that type of crap is involved, I just, I just choose to ignore it. Um, but what we're talking about here is the NFL not making the same amount of money that they would under normal circumstances. And this tells you, this tells you the NFL doesn't really give a shit about your safety. They, they don't care if you're healthy or not. They just want to make sure that you can continue to contribute to their bottom line. And their, uh, their bottom line needs to be, so. it not only needs to be in the black, it needs to be in that like Sharpie black, those thick numbers. They're, they're not, they're not content with just, oh, look at that. We made, we made $500 million this year. Yeah, but we could have made a billion dollars this year. The NFL continues to be disgusting and I continue to hate myself for supporting it. I don't know that I support it anymore. I feel like I more cover it, but I, I, I can't lie. I, I still, I love there. There are, there are too many players that I love. Too many players that I love. A uh, quick follow-up before we wrap things up. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Remember, the new episode of Relive is available. Uh, and if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash Barling. Uh, the FBI said there was no hate crime committed against Bubba Wallace, and the noose that had been in that garage had been there since earliest evidence dates back to October of 2019. I told you I would reserve judgment on the whole big grand parade that they did the other day until this played out. And this played out exactly how I thought it would. It's just a coincidence that this garage had this rope tied in the form of a noose in it. It's just a coincidence. It's been, it's been there all the way back since 2019. And it's just a coincidence that NASCAR's one black driver happened to get that one garage. It's all a coincidence. It's a series of coincidences. Just like in recent weeks, all of these black people have been hanging from trees. It's a coincidence that it looks like a lynching, but it's just suicide. All of these young black men have decided they are going to kill themselves by hanging from a tree. Because that's, that's what we do. Right. It's all a series of coincidences. Let me tell you a couple of other things that, are, that, that, that happened according to various reports. George Floyd died at the hospital. That was according to the report. Breonna Taylor, when the police broke into her, uh, uh, when, when the police broke into her house and just shot her up and murdered her, which police officers have not been arrested for, by the way, uh, you know that they reported that she was unarmed despite the fact that they riddled her with bullets and she was dead in her bed? They, they reported that she was unharmed. Those are, those are the reports. So because those are the reports, they have to be true, right? I, I mean, if that's what we're told is true, that's what has to be true. It's just a coincidence. Photographic evidence tells us that this noose 
has been hanging in this garage since dating back to 2019. And it's just a coincidence that the one black driver in NASCAR got that garage. Well, God damn. How about those coincidences? That's what the world is. It's just a series of phenomenal coincidences. None of this changes what NASCAR is. All of those drivers parading behind Bubba Wallace, the big selfie. I'm glad Bubba Wallace felt good. I'm glad he was emotional. And hopefully none of those drivers are pieces of crap. Hopefully none of those racing teams are pieces of crap. But don't ever fool yourself into what NASCAR was built off. NASCAR was built off of racism and exclusion. Just because they got rid of that damn Confederate flag doesn't mean they've eliminated their decades-long history of racism. Appreciate you, as always, for being here. Thank you for downloading, streaming, listening. I'll give you the spiel about the reviews one more time if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Uh, just before I even stop talking, or as you switch to your next podcast, just go to the home... Uh, where all of the episodes are. See that? There's, 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 just, no, keep scrolling, because scroll, there's a lot of episodes, dude. You got to keep scrolling. Scroll, 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 scroll. Boom, right there. See those stars? Hit the fifth one. Boom. There's also a place where it says write a review. You could do that as well. Just hit that button real quick. Takes like, hey, I love D-Lo. Boom. That's all, that's all you got to say. Hey, I love this podcast. Boom. You're done. It's, it's, it's as quickly as firing off a tweet or a text. Or a Facebook post. I don't know. Whatever your social media platform is. You can even write, this guy sucks if you want to. I would prefer that you didn't. You know, other people do see this. My mom was going to see that. I appreciate y'all being here, man. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Uh, we'll see how this thing plays out with the NBA today. But I imagine we're going to have a lot to talk about here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling.